Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Swiped Out Podcast. This is Savannah. And Madison. As we've witnessed recent events in our country, we, along with so many others, mourn and are angered by the tragic and senseless loss of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and so many others who have lost their lives at the hands of police brutality. Over the last few weeks, we have stepped away from releasing new content from Swiped Out in order to better listen, to amplify voices of color, to better educate ourselves, and to support the Black community through donations, protests, and support of Black-owned businesses. While we are now releasing content again, we would like to use our platform to amplify voices of our friends and acquaintances whose dating experiences are different from our own. Today's couple is an old friend of mine and his girlfriend. They are an international interracial couple. In fact, many of our guests this season have been people of color. As a podcast, this is something that we never felt the need to address directly, but in our journey to be better allies and friends, we believe that we have a responsibility to help normalize the topic of race and to incorporate it into future episodes of Swiped Out. Together, we are learning, we're growing, we are aware of our own privilege, and we are aware that we are going to mess up in our quest towards being better allies. We, we don't have all the answers, and together we hope that we can start having these conversations. And while we do not want to make this about us, we feel that staying silent would be a mistake. So we are going to do what we can to stand up during this fight. Uh, you can check out our episode notes where we will have a list of organizations that are doing the work and that you can help support. We will have resources that you can check out that will help in this, in this quest. As some of you may already know, Friday, June 12th was the 53rd anniversary of the Supreme Court case Loving versus Virginia, which struck down any remaining laws in the U.S. that banned interracial marriage. The case involved an interracial couple, Richard and Mildred Loving. Richard was white, Mildred was black and Native American. They got married in 1958 in Washington, D.C. and were arrested after they moved to Virginia where interracial marriage was illegal. Nearly 10 years later, in 1967, their case made it to the Supreme Court, where remaining laws banning interracial marriage were finally struck down. We find ourselves in dark and uncertain times in our country and around the world. There's anger and frustration, but there is also hope. Loving Day serves as a much-needed reminder of this. We created Swiped Out to spread some joy and humor, and most of all, love. Our conversation with today's guests, Chris and Elka, gave us some much-needed joy in a time of sorrow. We hope that their warmth and positivity spreads to each of you as well. Today, Sav and I have on some very special guests. Uh, I want to intro first my friend Chris, who I met in college, and then we'll intro his girlfriend Elka. But welcome to the pod, Chris. Woo, woo, Thank woo. you. Thank you for having me on. Very happy. Thank you guys for being here. <laughs> we met at Susquehanna University freshman year in Reed Dorm. Yes. <laughs> and uh chris left us our friend group after freshman year but <laughs> we yeah. have we have stayed in touch and we've stayed close but uh mm -hmm. we got into a lot of adventures uh our freshman year of college together including uh chris being my dating guru uh when i <laughs> tried unsuccessfully <laughs> to date his good friend jake who oh, i refer to man. as hot guy <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, yes. So Jake the hot guy. Yeah, who, no, he was just hot guy. <laughs> like I would say, oh, I talked to hot guy today. People knew who that was. It was a. Thing. <laughs> it was a thing. It was Chris was my like buddy. He like helped me with it. Uh, I asked mm. hot guy to come to my formal uh, for my sorority freshman year, and literally I had to keep going downstairs. So our dorm was the guys were on the bottom floor, the girls were on the top floor. And were you guys roommates, Chris? You were, right? No, we were supposed to be roommates uh, our sophomore year. Oh, got it. That's what it was, yeah. Yeah, but you were your dorms were very close together, your rooms. Yeah, he was literally directly across the hall from me. Like yeah. Diagonally. Um, so I kept going yeah. downstairs to uh, <laughs> ask Jake the hot guy to formal, and he wasn't there, so I had to keep talking to Chris, and he was, like, hyping me up, and he was like, try again, come back again. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> it just, it was never meant to be. And then we all went to a lake house that summer, like our group of friends. And I thought for sure things were going to go down with oh, guy at the yes. lake house. Yes. <laughs> it was not meant to be. <laughs> it wasn't meant to be, no. Yeah. no. But the adventures um, were, were worth it. Absolutely. So yeah. all this to say, I've known Chris for a long time and we've stayed in touch. Um, but fill us in on what you've been up to lately, what you're doing in life, where you're based, and mm-hmm. um, how you met Elka. Yeah, so I live in Maryland. Um, I'm originally from DC, so I live about 15 minutes from the city. Um, I'm a scientist now. I work for a small biopharma company and we do biosafety testing, which basically means that, casual, (laughs) (laughs) which just means that when these large companies like your AstraZeneca, GSK, Pfizer, uh, they do the research, um, and they create the vaccines or whatever medicines, they'll send us a sample of it and we test it for whatever it is they want us to find. Maybe it's viral DNA, maybe it's an antibiotic resistance gene, um, or maybe they just want to test for purity. And so that's what our job is. Um, and I love it. I love science. So it really, I really get to do what I'm loving. So I'm really fortunate and proud of that. Um, so it's been great. Proud of you. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank, thank, you. You. thank you for doing that work. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. It's fun. Um, so Elka, I met Elka mm-hmm. through LOL, a dating app. Not uh, really, not but like it's kind of what it ended up turning into. Okay. So the app is called Tandem, right? Uh, so what they do is they set you up with someone who speaks the language that you want to learn how to speak. Um, uh. And they match with someone who speaks the language that they want to speak. So when oh. Elka and I matched, it was for me to practice learning Dutch and to get better at conversational um, grammar and all those things. Of course, she was already fluent in English, so the only thing I've really a talker, quote unquote, is just American slang, really. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That's, that's about terrible it. at American slang, um, <laughs> right? <laughs> so yeah, we we spoke on there for about a year, uh, mm-hmm. platonically. Got to know each other very well. Um, and one day she was like, what do you think if I came to visit the U.S.? And I was like, um, <laughs> great idea. Come do it. <laughs> so she came. Uh, we got an Airbnb for about a week, was it? Ten yeah. days? Uh, Something week. like that. Yeah, a week. And we spent a lot of time together. We got to know each other very well. Uh, we clicked, which was awesome. So it wasn't as if someone just showed up and you got to spend the week with them and you guys don't get along. Yeah. You know, can you imagine? I, I can't because this <laughs> happened, you guys. I can tell you story. Oh no, we gotta hear that. Yeah, <laughs> but, um, that's very awesome. lucky that yeah we got along very well. And we clicked, and it's been great from from then. So welcome, Elka, to the pod. Thank Thanks you. for joining us. Yeah, so tell us your side of the story. So that was Chris's side, but we want to hear um, from you too. A little bit about me. A little bit about yes. you and then, you know, your experience matching with him. If it was always platonic, if there's something more there, give us the dirt. Right. Um, well, yeah, I'm Elka. I'm from the Netherlands. Um, I grew up in this very on the countryside of the Netherlands, but I moved to the bigger cities. Um, I'm doing a master in clinical psychology. I'm about to graduate, so I'm very happy about that. Um, and I work Congrats. with people. Thank you. <laughs> and I work with people who are physically disabled. Um, I help them with their daily activities, like getting out of bed, dressing them, helping them shower, all those kind of things. I love the job. It's a, it's a very grateful job to do. Um, so I love doing it. And yeah, so Chris already told the story about how we met. 
Um, and it's funny because from day one, like I actually hit him up and I was like, oh, this guy looks so nice and an awesome guy to talk to. Um, and from day one, I've always been like, oh, I would love to date him. Like he, he seems like the perfect guy for me. But I was like, he's in the US and that's not going to work. Like, how is a guy going to do that? A long distance relationship. Like I had trust right. issues. So <laughs> it took him actually nine months to convince me that he could do it. And ever wow. since, like, I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> but from the beginning onwards, like, even though, like, in the beginning, we were both dating other people. Like, I always said to everybody that I knew, like, this guy seems perfect for me. Like, I wish I could date him. And here we are, still yeah. dating. So, yeah. So when you came to the U.S., when you said, I want to yeah. come and visit, did you know that you were ready? Like, had you guys already established something romantic or you were just, yeah. you wanted to test the waters? You had No, we definitely both knew that we liked each other. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So this yeah. was like to, to confirm it, to be like, all yeah. right, are we actually good face-to-face? Do we have yeah. this chemistry in person? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I just wanted to meet him as well, so... Yeah, we had done all that talking for so long, and it's like it'd be a shame if I never got to meet you and to see what it would be like. Right. So, thank God she decided to do it. You know. Oh. <laughs> what? Oh, so cute! I can't handle it. <laughs> what was it like coming face to face? Like, how did you meet at the airport? When was like the moment that you yes. met face to face? Um, we met at the airport, but it was horrible because I was in line for my passport check for two and a half hours, knowing that he was already on the other side. And he was there on oh. time to meet me. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm still stuck in this line. And it felt so bad. Um, but he was right there. Um, and he was like, oh, you're really here. You're really here. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was really nice. But at the same time, it felt like we had known each other for years. It didn't feel awkward or anything. Yeah. And how long ago was that? How long have you guys been together? Um, we've known each other for over three years now, and we've been together for over two years. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I, I bet you guys um, have, like, positive encouragement for people trying to meet during quarantine. Because, I, like, for, for me and I'm sure for a lot of people, <laughs> that just seems, like, unfathomable. But clearly, like, you know, you two met online in yeah. different parts of the world and like still manage to make it work it's incredible yeah so i think i mean it's a difficult thing to do but i think what makes yeah. our situation special and what makes that possible for other people is if you have genuine conversations about real things like don't just cover surface topics like she and i got to know each other personally got to know what our family dynamic was like got to know what our friend group was like, got to know where we work, you know, what our daily activities were. And so once you, once you like delve into that territory, it's kind of hard not to just keep going further and further and further. Like I got a taste of you now I want more. And mm -hmm. the more you have those conversations, the better you understand each other, the, the better that bond becomes, you know what I mean? So don't be afraid to just dive in and like truly get to know someone. And that's what made our situation work. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. You really just have to have that connection. And like, there are a lot of people asking me, like, isn't it really difficult? Doesn't it really suck to be in a long distance relationship? Like, yes, it does. That's why I'm moving to the United States. But oh, yeah. you are? <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm still like, currently nothing is happening because immigration is closed. But right. I, our papers are there. So the process That's is so started. Exciting. Are oh, you guys going to yes. move in together? Or what's the plan? Oh, yeah. of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah eventually like when i finally move because right now like immigration is closed there's nothing happening the border is closed as well so there's just a big pause in it but i was supposed to move around the summer got it um yeah so i think right now we could be lucky we're still lucky if i still move in 2020 so. yeah, yeah. And, uh, it built up the suspense though i feel like it like makes it greater when you guys are able to come together and be together it'll be like a big moment which is exciting no, totally yeah, that's true. Yeah, for sure. Like every time you see each other again, it's it feels a little new in the beginning. I'm super excited. Yeah. Um, but over the time, like it does get more difficult. Like I hate saying goodbye to him. Like I really struggle with it. Um, and I notice that it's getting more difficult, like the longer we do it. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And right now it just sucks because I don't know when I will be able to see him again. And that's just what makes it so difficult at the moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So that's something that we want to touch on, you know, with you guys too, being in an international relationship. So speaking, you know, to me, long distance is being in one borough versus the other in New York City, but (laughs) 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 I can't imagine two different countries. So how do you guys make it work with the time zone? And like you guys were saying, a lot of it was based on emotional connection first before anything physical came into, which I think is very timely, like Sav was saying with quarantine and the way that the world is right now. But how do you make it work? What are, what's, um, some advice you might have for people about, you know, an international relationship. Okay. Um, oh man. So I would say the first thing is to be understanding of other people's time and understanding of the time difference and that it's a thing that exists. You have no control over it and you really are at its mercy. Um, and so we, we try to take every available opportunity to speak with each other. Um, and to keep each other updated on how our lives are going. So for example, we use this app called Time Tree, which is basically just a calendar app. And I put in my events. I'm really bad at doing it. And she always has to remind me, but I try. (laughs) (laughs) For the real important things, I'll definitely put it in there. And yeah, it's just a way for us to be able to know, you know, what our days are gonna be like. If I've forgotten that she works tomorrow, I can just check before I go to sleep. And if I don't get a response tomorrow at a certain time, it's like, oh, okay, well, she's just at work. You know what I mean? So I, it's there's never any uncertainty when it comes to that. Um, the second thing I would say is trust. So obviously, if you are on different continents, you got to be able to trust that your significant other is being faithful um, and that they really do love you and that you're not just wasting your time. And with, with Elka, I never really had that worry just because of who she is as a person. Um, And so I was just like, listen, I'm down to do this if you can handle it. Um, I know what comes with the territory. So if you're really about it, then, you know, let's let's go for it. Um, And so it's just, it's been going very well. And I would say the last thing is carving time out of your own schedule to make time for the other person. Like naturally, if Elka was here, I would come home from work and I would see her. We would go to the park on a Saturday. We would you know, take my dog for a walk or something like that. Um, So what we do now is date nights. And that's Mm -hmm. basically us carving time out of the weekend on like a Saturday or Friday night um, or some days when I work from home. Mm -hmm. I'll just say, okay, I'm going to take these few hours and we're going to watch a movie together. We're going to text through it just just to recreate the scenario as if we were here together. And things like that take effort. You know what I mean? It's not the faint of heart like you really gotta want to do it you really gotta want to say i'm not gonna go hang out with friends i'm gonna go sit down and miss my girlfriend through video chat you know what i mean yeah instead of ignoring it so um generally just really putting in the effort putting in effort and holding each other accountable i would say definitely i'm sure for both of you you feel like your emotional maturity has grown throughout this long distance relationship because it has oh, to sure. yeah. <laughs> oh, actually, yeah 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 <laughs> yeah just being uh yeah being careful in how you say things and um just saying how you feel really like i don't really have time to beat around the bush in our long distance relationship you got to just be able to speak freely and be genuine and yeah i would say those things are, are the most important for sure Well, something um, we want to get into with you guys is the Black Lives Matter movement, everything that's going on in the world right now, and specifically um, being an interracial couple. Chris, you are uh, a black man. Elka, you are a white woman. Um, I have been in interracial relationships myself. Um, I'm currently kind of in one. I don't know. That's for a conversation for another time. Listen to the pod. You can catch up on it. Um, but you know, I would love to pick your brains, uh, as you guys know, uh, we talked about this in the intro, but loving day was yesterday. So we'd love to get into, you know, your thoughts, anything that you might want to share, um, in regards to your family and friends. And we both want to give you guys, uh, the floor in terms of anything that you might want to talk about. Where should we even start? Yeah, I know. I know. That's a tough one to unpack. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) um, 
I don't know where to start, but I do know one thing is that every time we are out in public and we walk into an other, like a different interracial couple, we just look at each other. We only have to give each other the look and be like, oh, do you see that? Another interracial couple. It just makes us so happy to see. Like, it's so cool to see other people just date as well. Um, and we only have to give each other that look and be like, hey, do you see that? Mm-hmm. And it was funny because Chris visited me in Rotterdam. I recently moved here and he had never been in the city before. But this this city is pretty multicultural. It's very diverse. Um, and he was literally counting how many interracial couples there were. And he's like, I'm already on 20. How is that possible? Um, <laughs> <so> that, <laughs> you were so surprised by that. Mm-hmm. But it's, yeah, I think in Rotterdam it's really normal. But where I'm from, it's not um chris would be the only black person in my village for sure mm-hmm. um so when it comes to that like i'm always aware that when i bring him home that he's going to be the only black person there um it doesn't make me uncomfortable I'm never I, I never felt uncomfortable being an interracial couple i'm not embarrassed about it like i really don't care what other people think about it but i am aware that there might be people who have opinions about it and who might speak up when it comes to that especially at home um so yeah we definitely like i definitely had moments where people uh said some stuff that weren't very nice or very racist things also about past relationships Uh, and it does happen of course Mm -hmm. yeah um so i guess let me piggyback off the first point about just being in in a relational relationship to begin with um so firstly i think it's a beautiful thing for the individual right i get a chance to immerse myself in a different culture I mean, specifically for our example, it's literally a different culture, right? Yes. So yeah. not only is right. she white, but she's European and they just have a different way of life. So learning how they move versus how we move has been interesting. Um, so that's that's the first thing. Um, secondly, yeah, when we went to Rotterdam and we saw other interracial couples, it wasn't that I'd never seen one before or I'd never seen many before, but I think specifically in this city, it's highly concentrated. So if I'm in DC, I might see one or two over a few hours, but I was seeing an original couples like five to 10 minutes after each other. You know what I mean? So it's like, whoa, like it's that prevalent, um, which I thought was amazing. Um, I've also never felt uncomfortable with Elka, but again, as she was saying, I am aware of, you know, people give looks, people, give positive looks, people give negative looks. So when I was in the Netherlands uh, last time, uh, she and I were on a train together and there was an right. older white woman, like granny like granny aged. And she, she was, was in the 90s the or something. Yeah, uh-huh. and she was just smiling and I was like, oh, that's beautiful. Cause I for sure was not expecting to see that kind of reaction, but to see her so happy was, you know, it really warmed my heart. And then you see other looks um, that are just out of curiosity, I think more than um, condemnation or something like that. Um, so I actually think that's probably what the majority of the looks are. It's just because it's something that people aren't so used to. It's just like, oh, this is different. I'm just, I'm just noticing that it's there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what a majority of the looks might be. Um, and so with our families, I've definitely had conversations with some family members who have questioned, like, why are you dating outside your race? Why aren't you dating a black woman? Mm. And you definitely, those are conversations that are inevitable, right? Yeah. Um, And for me personally, it's never been a thing of like, I don't like black women or I only like white women. It's just Mm -hmm. that you find people you like and who you connect with. Oka and I literally agree on every activity that we do. Like we, it's like we were really meant to be. We like yeah. the same kind of we like the same kind of activities. We like the same kind of food. We have the same sleep schedule. Like it's it could not be more perfect, and yeah. that doesn't have to be race specific. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but there are questions of curiosity within um, both of the cultures. Like, what is it like to date someone from over there, or mm-hmm. someone within that community? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a learning experience for both parties. And I always welcome those conversations. I don't mind talking about it. Um, and I love to help people learn about what it's like. So mostly been positive, like I said. That's great. That's really encouraging. You had mentioned, Chris, you know, having these tough conversations with certain family members. And I'm sure for you, Elka, you might also have had, uh, you know, similar experiences. So how do you 
I know this is a hard thing to unpack, but how do you navigate those waters? How do you open the door for conversation to have a healthy conversation, know maybe when to walk away if things get heated or uh, people aren't seeing eye to eye in, in those situations? Mm-hmm. Right. I do have to admit, I'm not very good at walking away. Because <laughs> <I'm scared. laughs> um, I want people to hear my voice and I just keep going. And sometimes I realize that I get angry and those people are not going to listen to you anymore. But um, yeah, I had very good conversations with my friends, for example. So all of my friends now, like, of course, I only surround myself with friends that agree on my basic ideologies mm-hmm. and my principles in life. So I don't really have to have those conversations with my friends anymore, but I do notice that some of them don't have the knowledge about it. And they always come to me to ask about it, which is really interesting. And I love to talk about it with them. Um, but in the past, like where I grew up, um, it's a like 99.9% white community. Mm-hmm. Um, and back at home, it was difficult. Like I went to high school with this group of girls and at home, the people you grow up with, those are the people that you become friends with. You don't really have a lot of choice in that a little bit more in high school. And that's when you start to notice your differences and principles. Um, and for example, before this, I used to date a Moroccan guy. And I remember like telling one of my friends that I kissed him for the first time. This was like years ago. And she literally told me not to touch her anymore because she thought she would have AIDS. Wow. Um, She's like, you can't be touching me anymore. You got to give me AIDS. Like, you're so disgusting. Um, And she was also not allowed to be in the car with me and my boyfriend um, because her her parents told her she wasn't allowed to go in the car with a Moroccan guy. So those things do definitely happen at home. And I have an uncle who has said like some aw- uh, awful things about black people mm. and I get very, very angry at them. Um, but when I look at my, my closest family, so just my parents, I'm an only child. Um, my mom, I, I've never had to have a conversation with my mother. My mother fully understands and I'm so proud of her because my mother is 61. She grew up on a farm wow. and I don't know how she became so open-minded, but I definitely think that I became the way that I am because of her, because she was always so like, so open-minded and she, I was never allowed to judge somebody because of the way they looked. Like I always had to think about the story that was behind it, not to judge anyone, just love any person and appreciate every culture. Um, so when it comes to my mother, I don't ha- need to have those conversations. My dad, on the other hand, so my dad loves Chris, mm-hmm. first of all, like, he loves him. He cries when he leaves. (laughs) (laughs) So he definitely loves Chris. But I do realize that my dad also grew up in a society where he just, there was just a lack of education for these things. So sometimes I do have to challenge him and he might say some things that might offend some people, but he doesn't realize it. So it's never his intentions. But then I just have to say like, hey dad, you know, when you're saying this, this is not okay. Like, think about that again. This is how you're actually portraying yourself Mm -hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a lack of education, basically. And I'm sure, I'm 100% sure, if he would have married a different woman than my mother and he wouldn't have me as his kid, he might have become a totally different person and way more on the extreme side than he is now because my mom and I literally don't allow him to be that way. Yeah. And we always challenge him and he, like, he has to like be woke about everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so... That's definitely one of the things that is still a challenge, but anything outside of that, no. I think what you said, Elko, was really great. How, you know, you're like, hey, dad, think of it this way or think of it again in a different lens. And I think that's a great way of kind of pushing back on someone in your um, inner circle who you're close to and you love very much, but you maybe want to challenge their beliefs. And I feel like that's a great example, you know. Savannah and I have talked about this. I myself am looking and during this time for ways that I can have these difficult conversations with people I love and to be open to hearing them as well, but to also challenge them on maybe pre-existing ideas or concepts. And I think that's a great way of having them look at something through a different lens. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's um, more effective than the gut reaction, which I'm trying to work on. I definitely have an immediate attack mode during this yeah, time because the, the, the issues <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very yeah it's really the, you know it's because it, it's a sensitive issue and I, 
I think my my mom brought it up to me. She she's like, I don't know when this happened, but you just became very angry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I think, you know, that probably just comes with like seeing the world and just becoming so disgusted with with what's out there but it you know that's that's not the best way to to have these conversations with the people that you love so i mean yeah Mm -hmm. i I think that's part of this allyship this quest towards allyship is figuring out how to how to best have those conversations in a way that makes them impactful yeah i i could not agree more um my my own experience with my family has been kind of similar right so my dad is indifferent. He does not care who I date, where they come from. As long as I'm happy, he's happy. So mm-hmm. he and I have never really had any disagreements um, when it comes to that. My mom, on the other hand, is probably an extreme version of um, a mother bear. Very, mm-hmm. very, mm-hmm. very protective. Mm-hmm. What's what's best <laughs> for her son. I'm the firstborn, so like, it's claws out for yeah. any issue. You know what I yeah. mean? Especially the woman who I'm going to choose to spend. The rest of my life with right so when it comes to dating um she always wanted me to marry someone who understood that i am a black man in america mm-hmm. and that that comes with a lot right and so obviously the only person who would be able to understand that the most in america would be a black woman naturally because mm-hmm. they have black dads they have black brothers you know what i mean black uncles whatever right. um and so when I was younger, she said that I would prefer for you to date a black woman just because of the society that we live in. I want to make sure that she's going to be able to understand the issues that you go through, mm-hmm. um, make sure that she can empathize with you um, and just make sure that you're protected. Right. And so I've always understood that growing up. And it's something that's always been in the back of my mind as I've gotten older and I would say that like when I was in elementary school and going into high school and college, it's weird to say, but I really didn't, I saw color. Like I obviously know that this person's white, this person's black, this person, Hispanic, whatever, but it was kumbaya. It didn't matter that someone was different. Like you're my friend, I'm your friend. Right. And so I lived in this bubble um, from, I would say fourth grade all the way till 12th grade. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I got to college that I started to interact with people who come from different areas within the U.S. People who come from suburbs that are only white and may have never gone to school with a black kid. Mm -hmm. People who come from the Midwest where there are no black people, you know, within any vicinity. Um, And then, of course, the people who went to diverse schools within metropolitan areas. So um, once that happened, race started to become a thing. And I always wanted to make sure that, yeah, like she said, I was understood. Fortunately, with Elka, again, you know, it was the situation with her and her mom. I've never had to have a conversation with her about race. That was a learning experience for her. She just got it immediately. And mm-hmm. it was really surprising given, first of all, where she's coming from, um, because like she isn't in the U.S. She doesn't have that history behind her to like help her understand. It's just she always understood it and she's always on the right side. So that's been tremendous. And my mom is really happy about that, too. Um, and it doesn't matter that she's not black. It's that she does understand what it's like for me. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. what situations she may face in the future um, with me. So it's been great. Um, I'm glad that she's spoke as she is. Yeah. Uh, and I'm glad that my mom recognizes that. So really, really happy and proud about that. That's awesome. And so you said for your mom, you think the the kind of moment of change was that Elka and I don't want to speak for you, Elka, but mm-hmm. that you were embracing the culture and you wanted to learn about it and that you guys are able to have open and honest conversations. And Christy, feel like that's kind of what was the turning point for your mom, that she was engaged and that she wanted to learn and, and to educate herself. Yeah, so we're still working on it because my mom is one of those people where it's like it's difficult to have a really close relationship with her if you're not there. She's one of those people that's like, you got to be around the corner. You got to be able to see each other all the time yeah, for sure. us to have a close relationship. Sure. So... I know that once Elka's here, that relationship with those two will be a lot tighter. Yeah. Um, but my mom, through our own personal conversations, is understands where Elka comes from, understands her mentality. And they talk as well on the side. And so I'm sure they're getting to know each other um, without me knowing a little bit of the details. But yeah. so far, it's been going pretty well. Uh, so, yeah. That's great. 
And can I ask for both of you, are there any other um, interracial couples on either side of your families? Hmm. I don't think so. There's one? <laughs> family. Yeah. Yeah. Just one that I can think of. Yep. Just one. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. You know, it's funny. We've had this conversation um, on the pod before, too. We had a really good conversation a couple episodes back with my friend Afi, also from Susquehanna, uh, who is from Togo. And she moved to the Bronx when she was, I think, 10. So she has a very different experience coming from a completely different culture and having to integrate herself into the U.S. and then to go to a place like Susquehanna, which is a predominantly white college. Um, And, you know, it was really interesting chatting with her and you know, Sav and I talked about our experiences and I said, for me, I, similar to you, Elka came from a very small town in Pennsylvania, uh, predominantly white and certainly knew a couple interracial, um, relationships at my school, but it wasn't really the norm. And then at Susquehanna, the bubble widened a little bit. And then I came to New York city. I lived in East Harlem and it was like, poof, like <laughs> everything, <laughs> everything I thought I knew about the world changed. And I've been here for four years. And obviously I think mm-hmm. I'm just kind of like a lot of us who are trying to be allies, I feel like I'm at the tip of the iceberg and I'm trying to lean in and, and to educate myself. Mm-hmm. But I guess all that to say, being in an urban setting, it kind of opened my eyes um, to other cultures and other ways of life and all of these different issues that I just truly didn't see in my bubble. And it's not that I was intentionally avoiding them. It's just, it didn't even come to mind because it was, you know, out of sight, out mm-hmm. of mind. Um, and, you know, in chatting with you guys, Chris, I don't know if you remember this. I recalled a experience that we had in DC. I, I interned in DC one summer and Chris was obviously from outside of DC. So we met up one time, um, to hang out and catch up and it was late. You remember? This? I remember. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, we saw a movie and we were leaving and I was going back to my dorm, but I didn't realize in DC that the Metro isn't open all night and it closes at 12 and it was Sunday. And so we were literally stuck where was it friendship Heights. I don't know. We were kind of on an outskirts. Yes. What's friendship Heights? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was before Uber. This was back in 2013. And so <laughs> it was kind of bad news bears. And we were like, what are we going to do? How are we going to get home? And you had even further than me to get home. And, uh, we flagged down a bus that was like out of service, but this guy kind of took pity on us and agreed to like, mm-hmm. let us on the bus. And he let you have it, Chris. He was so upset with you. Do you remember this? Yeah. Or he was like, this yeah, is someone's daughter. Like, I'll let you tell it too, but he was very angry and I just was totally thrown for a loop. I didn't even think twice about it, but he like was very upset about us yeah, being so just, together. Yep. Yeah, I'll just tell him how it is. He was a black dude, um, probably early fifties. And so him looking at the situation, right? He's like, okay, you're out with this white girl in the middle of the night. She has no way to get home and you're responsible for her. What is this going to look like maybe to a law enforcement? or maybe to a situation where you two get yourselves into where you have to answer for what's going on. It's not going to look good. And so I think he came from a position of a father or a family figure in that you, you got to be mindful about situations like this and you got to prepare a little bit better. Of course, I didn't understand that at the time. I was like, why is this dude giving me such a hard time? But yeah. now that I'm a, a lot older, I definitely see how wrong that situation could have gone, right? Right. Um, and it's unfortunate that that is even a thing because we didn't think about that. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and yeah, the older that I've gotten, the more that I understand that there are nuances to things like that. Right. And he was totally right about um, what could have gone down or what would happen if I hadn't been able to get her home. Um, so that was quite, quite the experience for both of us. We have a segment on the pod that we like to call Dating Oh No No. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> yes. And I think, you know, Sav and I would love to like pick your brain when it comes to long distance relationships. So for anyone out there who might be experiencing long distance or even if they're just getting to know somebody virtually through this time, you know, apart uh, in quarantine, what are some oh no no's that might make it or break it when it comes to digital dating. Okay. Let's see. Well, first of all, make sure he's not a catfish. Uh, <laughs> that shit is real. Yes, Elka, yes. 
So if he doesn't want to call, oh, and he doesn't want to show his face. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't, no. No, not really. But it happens for sure. I've never been scared with a uh, catfish. I never had to worry about that. But I can only imagine what it must be like to trust somebody like that and then find out they're not Mm -hmm. real. I would say you can't do things without communicating. Mm -hmm. Because, like, for us specifically, a big oh no would be going about your day and not giving any kind of updates as to what you're doing, right? So if I know that I'm going to be at work late or it's really busy and I don't have time to text, I will literally stop what I'm doing say, hey, work is hella busy. We'll respond when I can. And I try to do that as often as I can. Um, And she's really, really understanding with that. So thank you. Um, (laughs) So there's that. Um, Other, oh, no's. Don't lie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, don't lie. I would say. Mm Mm-hmm. I think a um, lot of it is also, like, you can also, um, I don't know how to word this, but it also, like, it's not just long-distance di- uh, relationships. It just, like, it also applies to anything outside of that. It's just a trust, but it's actually important in a long-distance relationship. So anybody who mm-hmm. doesn't want to say what they're doing, like, it doesn't help in a long-distance relationship at all. It already doesn't help in a, mm-hmm. in a regular relationship, but, Yeah. And you guys have kind of touched on this, but whenever there's a disagreement or a fight, you know, you recommended hopping on and having communication, like some kind of face-to-face or a call or something right away to work it out, right? Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's really big. Uh, What else? Uh, Something that's specific to our relationship, I would say, is, and I know other people might feel unsure about doing this or uncomfortable, but... I share my location with her like indefinitely. Mm. So she yeah. always knows where I am. So sometimes if I'm driving back home from work or if I'm going somewhere and I just forget to say this is where I'm at, she could just look and like, well, no. Yeah. And she right. doesn't have to worry. Um, and same for me, like if she said that she's going to do something um, and I expect her to be there, but maybe she's been there longer than I expected to, I can just check real quick and be like, oh, she's still there. So she's still busy. No worries. Right. It just eliminates all doubt and all worry so yeah for me what i like the most about that is that he tends to forget to text me that he's home um Mm. and i wake up like six hours ahead of him and i'm the person that like i worry a lot about him so Mm, yeah (laughs) i will wake up and i was like did he get home did he not get home and now i can just check because i know like that that is his street i'm like okay he's home but otherwise i would worry for hours until he's finally awake and nothing there's nothing going on right in the meantime, like I already made my assumptions. I'm like, oh my god, what happened? You know? Right, right. Um, so and yeah, I just wake up like, oh, sorry, I just forgot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys are you big texters? Are you kind of texting throughout your days, or are you more yeah. of a let's touch base and have a call once a day? I think there's only been one day of all those three years that we haven't talked to each other, right? Wow. Wow. Yeah, we always text, but it's like our way of communication. So. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And Samaya, my sister, will ask, did you talk to Elka today? And I always find this this question interesting because I guess she assumes that because we're busy, we don't have time to talk all the time. Um, but for me, it's just like, no, there's never a day where I don't talk to Elka. Like right. maybe some days I'm really busy and I might only be able to talk yeah. as soon as I wake up and then right when I go to sleep. But other than that, there's no day where I don't talk at all. That's yeah. just not, yeah. not going to Yeah, exactly. We'll always ask each other, like, how are you doing? How's your day? Um, mm-hmm. yeah. I'll do a voicemail if that, like, my mm. day's been really busy. Yeah. And yeah. I don't really feel like texting it out. I'll just record it and then send it. So, yeah. Other things like that. Uh, we do have some listener questions that I want to pick your brains on. Right. Um, sure. One is, how do you know when you found the one? What are some signs to look for? You just know. (laughs) I love it. I don't know. It's it's difficult to explain, but in past relationships, like I, I had this feeling like, okay, this guy is like, he could be a good boyfriend, you know. But with 
Chris, I always had like, I would love to spend the rest of my life with him. Like, I want to marry him, Aww. spend the rest. It is cute, but it's, yeah, that's what it was for me. I don't know. Like, I'm not going to say that that is going to be the case for everybody. Like, not everybody's the same as me. I'm also a very emotional person, so that might just be me. Yeah. Um, but that's what it felt like for me. I just knew from the beginning. Like I already mentioned before, I knew that he was perfect for me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but outside of that, I think one way to measure it is when you can truly be yourself with the other person. Like you don't have to hide anything. You don't have to hide your emotions. That person already knows based on your voice. Like those kind of things. I think those are really important. And that could be a signal of someone being the one for you. Definitely. Mm -hmm. What about you, Chris? Yeah. I would say the one is a very ancient, ancient term, right? Yeah. There's never going to be a person that's like, God made this person specifically for you. Like, they just don't exist. Um, but for the most part, you really have to just find someone that is just down to do all the things that you're down to do. Um, where you don't always have to explain how you feel. They just get it. Mm -hmm. And someone that always has your, your best interest at heart, right? Um, and you have to take and give, right? Like Elka and I don't agree on every single thing, but it's just like, you're going to have that in every relationship. Mm -hmm. Like no one's going to be on the exact same page about every single thing. Right. But for 99% of the things that we talk about, we're on the same page. With. Um, and so I think that's what you got to look for. Um, like I, I catch myself, right. I might be feeling a certain way and I don't want to say exactly how I'm feeling. And she'll just call it out because she sees it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, all right, now I have to confront it. And you want someone that's going to challenge you in your emotions. Um, I do that to her. She does that to me. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. That's the only way you can really grow as a person. You know what I mean? Yeah. So someone that's going to challenge you to make you a better person is somebody who you want to spend the rest of your life with. That is huge. Yeah. So, yeah. You guys making us believe in love and stuff. <laughs> I'm telling you. It does. It, exist. <laughs> it does. Um, and I, I'm going to say this. I think for men, we we're hardened by society, like, of course, yeah. and we're less inclined to show our feelings. But if you find a dude who's emotionally available to do that with you, that's a green flag. Because mm -hmm. most of us mm -hmm. are not about mm -hmm. to be talking about how we feel. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just It's just a much more difficult thing. To, to talk about so if a guy is open that's a good thing so keep that keep that in mind i think that's true i always say on the pod my type is tall dark and emotionally unavailable but <laughs> <laughs> as i move into 26 i am trying to work on my emotional intelligence i think this time in quarantine has allowed that to really focus on getting to know somebody and to look at the consistency and to see that both people are putting in the effort so it is something mm -hmm. that i am looking for and aware of and working on for myself as well but mm -hmm. i think you're right chris especially in early 20s there are a lot of guys who are great but maybe not emotionally unavailable and it's hard to build from there mm -hmm. exactly um another question that we got i just want to pull it up so i say it correctly so this person says and i you know sab and i talked about this you might want to reframe it uh they said as a white woman how can i be a better ally for my friends and loved ones and i think this is a hot button question that's being thrown around a lot especially on social media i would maybe want to reframe it as you know you're doing the education you're doing the work you're trying you're gonna have missteps you're gonna make mistakes along the way but how can you uh how can you check in with your friends of color? I want to hear from both of you to, you know, I think it's kind of hard to say, how are you doing during this time? But how can you show them that you are supportive and that you're there and that you are trying to uh, be better and to learn? You want to go first? <laughs> no, you got it. You got it. How you can check in with them. I just think you should stay true to yourself. I think that works the best. Like, don't overthink it. Like, you can ask them how they're doing, but just be aware of the fact that they might not be doing well and just talk to them ask if they're emotionally available at the moment to talk about it before you're going to throw all these things at them because mm -hmm. some people cannot always talk about it um be aware like for example on social media don't share those traumatizing videos because they're traumatizing to a lot of people mm -hmm. and if you're going to do it put a warning on it but also like that also relates to the conversations that you have with 
your friends like be aware of the fact that they might not have the energy and the mental space at the moment to talk about it um and like you said like you're gonna make mistakes and that's inevitable but then when you do it i think it's important to apologize for it but don't make it big like don't make it about yourself making a mistake like just be like i'm sorry i made the mistake i'm gonna learn from it and do better next time um because otherwise it's just gonna be about you again Mm-hmm. And it's not about that. It's about you making that mistake and offending another person. Um, yeah. I don't know what you want to add to that, Chris. What about you as, like, a white woman? Do you feel like, like, what's your perspective like, I guess, talking to other people? To other white people? Yeah, I mean, I guess other white people and other black people who are, I guess, trying to learn at this time. Like, what has it been like for you? Um... Well, like we mentioned before, I can be very reactive. So sometimes (laughs) I find it difficult to have that calm conversation with people. But for sure, when I notice if somebody's open to have that conversation, I'm more than, yeah, you're more than welcome to talk to me. And I will definitely like tell you where to find things and how to look things up yourself. Um, And I would love to educate other people as well. Um, I kind of lost my train of thought here. (laughs) I just want to point out that Elka like you clearly were someone who did put in the work because you had said that you know you you grew up in a pretty non-diverse area and Chris has shared that he he always felt that you got it that you understood it so like clearly we we do not have to be depending on our friends of color to educate us about this we can take it into our own hands and you know learn learn about this and be be a support mechanism without expecting um other people how to tell us how to fix a problem that's not their fault like they like we created this problem so we have to fix it right that's exactly right on on social media today that like compared it to um sexism like you're not going to say that sexism is a women's issue it's not like it doesn't make any sense right yes yeah. The same thing relates to racism. Like, it's not their issue. It is our issue. And, like, a lot of um, like a lot of the things that are going on on social media right now is about being anti-racist instead of being non-racist. And I think that's mm-hmm. very important, too, because I have a lot of friends who are like, no, I'm not racist. Like, I would never do something like that. But at the same time, those are also people that would never call somebody out. Um, and I think that's very problematic because, unfortunately, sometimes it takes another white person to tell another white person that what they're doing is wrong and i've had many situations where white people would say things to me and they would assume that because i'm white i would agree with them and then like, they realized i actually did not yeah and they were like "Ooh, okay but sometimes it just takes a white person to just point out that what they're saying is not okay um absolutely and yeah like you can definitely like what you're saying like i grew up in a very white like predominantly white community and you cannot use it as an excuse to not know because there's enough there's enough online you can find anything nowadays so it's literally an excuse and yeah it's a privilege to have to learn about these things instead of experience it absolutely Um, and i did definitely didn't learn it in high school i definitely didn't learn it in primary school but i had to do it myself um so yeah um so my experience during this whole during this whole time has been, I guess, with mixed emotions, right? So on the one hand, I'm very happy that we're now bringing this issue to um, to the floor. Like everyone's talking about it. It's still in the news two weeks later, which is great. Yeah. That means that yeah. it's in the zeitgeist now. Like we got to address it. Yeah. Um, and so I'm really happy that people are are talking about it. And like growing up, I think all of us always knew that this is the only way we can really combat racism is to just talk about race. But because of the way that the system works, we're too busy, right? It yeah. was, it's always been, we're too busy to really confront yeah. the issue. And it, I hate that that's been the case, but it just was, right? It had to take for a pandemic and people to not be able to work for everyone to sit down and say, well, what just happened was not okay, right? Um, and we have to talk about it. So great that it's happening now. Unfortunate that it had to be another life loss to spark the outrage and spark the conversation. Yes. Um, yeah. So happy that we're finally doing it, right? Now, I've always opened the door to having conversations about race and specifically during this time 
I explicitly said, hey, let's talk about it. And I've had a few friends um, have the conversation with me. Two of my best friends from high school, we spoke about it. Um, and a friend of mine from high school who I literally haven't spoken to since graduation was just like, hey, are you free to talk about this? And I was like, yeah. And we had a really, really awesome conversation. So she's Asian, um, but she went to high school with me and she was, she's technically a person of color, right? Mm -hmm. And so she might look white to another person. And so in her experience, she was saying white people tend to um, talk to her as if she was also a white person, but she was someone who was quote unquote woke. And so she always saw the the terrible things that may have been said or, um, you know, the microaggressions and it's always bothered her and she never really had the conversation either. So it was nice for the two of us to be able to talk about it yeah. a few years later. Mm -hmm. um, and that was great. Um, so I would say that it's been, it's been exhausting mm -hmm. going through it. Um, and I didn't realize it until like, I guess the end of the week, I was just like, I'm way more tired than usual. And I think it's because, you know, you're looking at so many posts, you're seeing so many videos, you're reading, you're having the conversation and it's, and it's mentally taxing. Yeah. Um, so I had to take a few days to just decompress and reset myself to be able to go back at it again. And I think people should do that. You should, when you're feeling overwhelmed, take a break. Cause this is not an issue we can fix in a day. Take a break, yeah. come back right. and keep the fight going. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. But the conversations have been great. My best friends, of course, I mentioned earlier that we didn't really see color when it came to each other. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I asked them like, how did you, how do you feel now that the curtain has been peeled back? Mm -hmm. um, and a good friend of mine, David, he said that he's pretty pissed off at his parents because he feels like, how can you guys have allowed things like this to happen and keep me so isolated from reality? Mm. Uh, he recently watched The Wire, which is a great TV show that talks about exactly what we're talking about. Um, police brutality, um, living in the Baltimore area, mm -hmm. and how the system is set up for some people to fail, for a lot of people to fail, um, and how it was built that way. And it really goes into the lives of these people and how some of them will never make it out, right? And how some of them will. And so for him, that was the eye opener. So he came into this conversation with that background. Granted, it's not a personal story from someone that he knows, but it was narratives that he was able to understand well. Mm -hmm. um, and he said that for me, it's been the narratives that have changed my heart and helped me understand more so than it's been the analytical essays and the papers or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. It's having the conversations with people um, that allows you to really put yourself in their shoes, which is why I've always been like, just talk to me, right? I know some black people are just like, do the research on your own. And that's, that's something to note. We're not a monolith. Some people feel differently. Yeah, I feel differently. Yeah. Um, so yes, Take the time to do the research on your own. Find the ones who are open to having the conversation because that's the best way you can learn is through a personal narrative. So got to do the work on both ends. So I guess to follow up on that, Chris, I think that was um, really well said as well. Do you think when it comes to, like you said, finding people who are willing to talk to you and have the conversation, is that a question that you can raise with your friends and say, hey, just like you said with your high school friends, hey, I'd love to talk to you. Are you... Uh, emotionally available to talk about is that the best way to go about it or should you take the lead of your friend saying hey if you want to talk about it um i'm open to engage what, what's the best way to approach it for people looking to do that yeah um i guess it depends on how close the relationship is to begin with so if i've known you forever i'll just be like listen let's sit down and have a conversation right um and i think for your friends that you've been the closest with you can just say would you be open to having this conversation, right? For someone who you haven't spoken to in a few years, um, you got to approach them with a little bit more caution. Hi, um, I know this is a, a really rough time for this community and I'm curious about this issue and I would like to learn more. Would you be willing to have this conversation with me? Um, if not right now, whenever is available for you. Um, I just want to put it out there that I'm interested. And if you're interested in speaking to me about it, please let me know, right? And so that shows one respect that you respect 
their emotional feelings at the moment. You ex you um you respect their mentality and you respect them as a human being. And when you you highlight those things in the beginning, you're setting yourself up to have a great conversation and a great relationship. Um, and to really prove that you are an ally indeed. So I'd say going about it that way really works. Well, we can't thank you enough for being open to having this conversation with us because I, I completely get that like at times you have to feel exhausted because I'm sure a lot of people are reaching out at this time. So, I mean, it, it means it means a lot uh, to, to have your voice here and uh, to, right. to be sharing your experiences with us. It's uh, yeah, very, very grateful. Glad, glad I can do it. Um, one thing we normally do to end our episodes, I'm hoping we can tweak a little bit. So normally we, we say swipe support because we are swiped out and ask for your dating advice for the people. Uh, but I'd like to change it with your permission, Sav. My, yes. <laughs> my boss, Martine, um, has been saying to me and to my uh, colleague, Claudia, whenever we do our weekly video chats, what has been bringing you joy this week? Uh, because it's, you know, an emotionally laboring time for all of us, particularly, you know, our, again, friends and family and loved ones uh, who are people of color going through this. So is there something for both of you that has brought you joy this week, something uplifting that you want to share? Or if not joy, maybe hope, if that's the better word. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I, um, I would say that the hope and the joy that I have is seeing friends right especially you madison oh. really talking about an issue that i feel like was being ignored and right like i never thought that my friends were racist um and i knew that they weren't right but when you never talk about these issues and you never like acknowledge that we are different and you never talk about those experiences you do kind of feel a certain way it's just like how much do these people care about me, right? They care about me as a friendship. They care about me as an individual and what I might mean to them. But I'm living in a different reality than they are, right? Um, I will just have to deal with different things that they never will. And I, it was always my hope that people would see that, that people would get something out of the protest, that something would just wake people up. And to finally see it happening has made me so happy yeah. Um, because it's like people really get it. And so now that everyone gets it, that means that we can move towards changing laws so that people benefit from that, mm -hmm. um, that our children will grow up even more woke than we are. Mm -hmm. um, so it's been, it's been making me really happy that people are having that conversation. People are having dialogues. People are motivated. People are out there protesting. People are out there. You know what I mean? Just, yeah really doing the right thing and pushing for change. Um, really, really happy about that. That is hopeful. Yeah. Marathons <laughs> are starting. Yes. Exactly. Yes. exactly. Yeah. What about for you, Elka? Yeah, the same thing. Like, there's a lot of negative things on social media right now, but it's also, so for me, like, it always feels like you live in this beautiful world, but at the same time, it's a horrible world as well, right? It can be quite horrible, but it can be beautiful at the same time. And it's, at these times, it's horrible, but at the same time, people are coming together and you see people fight together. People are dancing on the streets together. They're like uniting. And it's so nice to see that as well. I saw a video, like Chris sent it to me, of those little children protesting for Black Lives Matter. And it's just little children. And those are the things that make me so happy to see. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that definitely brought joy to me. There are some like very hopeful things going on at the moment as well. And I think it's great to focus on that too. Absolutely. Yeah, I would say to just sometimes turn off the social media and go outside. Like if you're yeah. out in DC right now, sure. you're going to go see that that street is painted Black Lives Matter. That is yeah. so awesome, right? Yeah. And like it's cool to see it on your phone, but like go outside and see it. Yeah. Go outside and join the protest. Go outside and feel the energy from all those people who are really passionate about the, the movement. You know what I mean? That's going to make you happy. That's going to be an uplifting thing to push you through the pandemic. Um, so take advantage of the positive situations that we have. Yeah. Well, this has brought me joy, you guys. This conversation. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Thank you right. again uh, for taking the time and being so open uh, 
and honest with us about your experiences. And certainly, yes. Elka, I hope we get to meet in person once you move over uh, here. <laughs> <laughs> and we can actually do brunch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember brunch as a <laughs> distant, distant past. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. And somebody um, took Trump and open the border, please. I'm so yeah. done. <laughs> I'm so done. Exactly. Well, thank you guys so much. This has been another thank episode you. of Swiped Out. out. <laughs> um, and for anyone out there who is listening to this today, and maybe you're feeling inspired to either DM us um, your personal relationship story, or you know of someone who you think might want to share theirs, or you have a question about where to donate, or maybe some educational resources, please hit us up in the DMs on Insta at SwipedOutPod or SwipedOutPod at gmail.com. We would love to engage with you and thank you for listening and supporting. Please help spread the word uh, because we want to keep having these conversations and certainly bringing in more couples and hearing their experiences and keep the momentum moving forward. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> thank you, guys. It's been awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you for having us. <laughs> Like we do it.